Dear Christian friends, so, so far in this series called Connected, we've looked at our, our most important connection, the, the greatest need that every single human being has, right? To be connected to God through faith in Jesus. And then last week we looked at how God has given us another connection, right? A, a human connection, uh, the gift of marriage where, where we're able to be connected in a, in a uh, super close and intimate way with one other person. This week we're taking a look at a connection that a lot of people, though, don't think is probably as important. In fact, there are some people who are even Christians who think it's, you know, it's just kind of really optional. And, and there are even people who say, I, I really want no part of it. We're talking about being connected in the church. Now, sometimes this idea of not needing or not wanting to be connected in a church comes from a mistaken understanding, a mistaken idea of what the church is and of what the church is made up of. I, I can think of any number of people over the last 14 years when I've been a pastor who've told me, because of this one person or this one thing that was said or this one thing that was done, they're never coming back. In fact, some have told me I'm never stepping foot in a church again. Now, those are, are sad statements, but they're also spiritually dangerous ones for, for two reasons. One, they have an issue with a person who obviously has, has hurt them, has sinned against them, and, and instead of going to them and showing their fault and showing how they've been offended, how they've been hurt, and the chance to forgive, they're just leaving. It also, secondly, is spiritually damaging to themselves because they are purposely excluding themselves from the body of believers, from the rest of the church. They are they're taking their own spiritual well-being solely into their own hands, which is a dangerous thing. Do you ever get mistaken ideas about most things in life, Right? And I think that the same is very potentially true when it comes to spiritual matters, right? As I read the Bible and I start to think, well, no, it means this, and I go off on a road all by myself and there's no one to correct me, to point out how that's not what the Bible says. That isn't really what's true. It leaves me alone with my own spiritual blind spots that the devil's all too happy to to allow so that he can attack. The other problem with, with you or someone you know or anyone coming up with a, an excuse, you know, whether it's this person or thing that was said or done or, or Christians or hypocrites or any other excuse that are, that's so often given for, for why I'm not going to go to church anymore, is you know better. You really do. If you're a Christian, you know better than that. If you've had even the, the simplest form of any meaningful Christian education, if you've gone through our, our Faith Builders class, the very first lesson we get to covers the topic of sin. And you know what we discover as we open the pages of Scripture? That, that we're all guilty of it. And that means that, that every single person in every single church, including this one, and including you, is a broken and sinful person. Every single one of us. 
that means that, that this is a place where hurting and struggling and pain on the inside and, and putting it out there that we have it a whole lot more together than we really do people gather. And it means that there are going to be, going forward, because it's a group of, of broken people, of sinful people, there are going to be hurt feelings. There are going to be damaging words. There are going to be differences of opinion that get carried too far. Because this church, like every church, is made up of sinful people. And if you think that this is a place where everything should just always be good or even perfect, then you've really missed what church is all about. Our first takeaway this morning reminds us of what church really is. A church is a gathering of broken and sinful people who have gathered together to find the peace of forgiveness from Jesus. That's why we're here. Not because I have it all together or you do. Not because we don't need this, but because we do. Because we are so much more alike than we really understand, when, especially spiritually. But we're here to find the one thing that gives us peace and healing and forgiveness, and that's Jesus, our Savior. That's how the Apostle Paul starts this section of, of our scripture reading this morning. From 1 Corinthians 12, as, as God, through his writer, through Paul, leads us to see how we are all connected. We begin at verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So God uses the picture, a picture that, that every single person understands, right? Because we all have a body. And before we get into all of the body part, first of all, did you, did you catch how he says we're connected? We're connected through baptism. When the Holy Spirit, working through the Word of God, connected to the water, worked faith in your heart, connected you to Jesus Christ, we're connected through the Word of God as God continues to pour out His Spirit to feed our, our, thirsty quench, or our thirsty souls and to quench them. God is what brings us together. God is what connects us through faith in Jesus as our Savior. That's what makes us connected. And it's important to understand that because well, the Apostle Paul, he uses the picture of a, of a body, right? a picture that every person can understand. And he uses that picture because, well, your body has a lot of parts, right? If you remember the old Lever 2000 commercials, this soap is for you and all of your 2000 parts, right? Now, I haven't counted them all up, but I think that's probably a, we'll, we'll go with it. And, and the thing is, so we're made up of all these different parts, but how many bodies do you have? Just one. 
But here's why this is significant, because we live in a world that tells us that differences separate us. Differences divide us. But God wants us to understand that's not necessarily the case. Because as we sit here, I don't think there are any pairs of identical twins sitting in here today. So that means that every single person in here, even your brother or sister, has different DNA. No two people are exactly alike. No two people have the same genetic makeup. We all have different life histories. We have different backgrounds, right? We have different jobs. We have different careers. We have different training. We have different skills. We have different abilities. We have different likes and dislikes. We have so many things that make us different. We have some people who are, are tremendously musically talented and some people who would probably say they're tone deaf, right? We have people who, uh, who love certain things and people who don't like the same. We have people who, vote, who root for, for one sports team. We won't name names. And then we have people who root for their mortal enemies, right? We have differences. We, we as a church have said we want to, to reach out to work, to meet the needs, to, to serve little Christians, like, you know, kids, a.k.a. kids. Some of us here have a bunch of kids. Some of us have kids that are, that are grown. Some of us have no kids. And the problem is, the world says that makes us all different. And what makes us different separates and divides us. And, and here's the thing, this is probably not a new or worldly invention, because I'm pretty sure you've had somebody whisper it in your ear before. The devil. Because he does it all the time, right? As, as you compare yourself to others, and we do it at work, we do it, at, we do it in all these different contexts, but but the devil really wants to do it here, to draw division here in the church. And so he whispers to you, oh man, that guy is so much more spiritually mature than you are. That lady is, is so much more talented. This person has so many gifts that, that you don't and you'll never have. You'll never be as good as them. You'll never be the Christian they are. And what's the thought that comes to our mind as we listen to the devil whisper that, those words? I don't belong here. In fact, I bet I could not show up and nobody would even care. Maybe even nobody would notice. God's heard that temptation before. In fact, he wrote about it in 1 Corinthians 12. Look what he says. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed, the parts of the bo- it has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. See, the temptation to view the differences 
as being divisive, as being bad, well, it's just wrong. It's, a, it's based on a lie. It's simply not true, right? It, it's listening to the devil's lie and, and thinking, well, like the Bible says, it, it's thinking like the foot, saying to the hand, boy, look at you. Nobody covers you up unless it's really cold or they have really cool driving gloves. But look at me, I, I get smelly. And so people put socks on me. And the only time they ever show me off is when they get some sweet new shoes or really cool boots. I don't even belong here. I don't need to be a part of the body. If I weren't here, nobody would miss me. Or it's like your ear saying to your eye, yeah, everybody looks right at you because you're right front and center. But I'm way over here on the side. And the only person who actually looks at me is the doctor with that weird light thing. Nobody cares about me. Nobody would even notice if I were gone. I'm not a part of the body. It's kind of foolish, isn't it? For your ear to say you're not, it's not a part of your body because it's not the, the eye and your foot to say it's not a part of your body because it's not the hand. That's just ridiculous. God is, says the same thing about us, that that, that kind of self-exclusion, that kind of disconnecting ourselves from the body is based on a lie. And it's dangerous for us. God wants us to understand it is not true and it is based off of a, a lie from the devil. Because the body of Christ isn't made up of one kind of person from one kind of background with one kind of life story and one kind of gift. So imagine if everybody in here were really musically talented, but you could only play the drums. We'd have some sweet rhythm, wouldn't we? But first of all, we can't have like 80 plus drummers on a week, so that doesn't do us much good. The other thing is, well, there actually wouldn't be music. There'd be rhythm, but not music. There would be no harmony. There would be no melody, there would be no instrumentation, there would be no singing because nobody here would, could do it. We're only good at, at one kind of thing. Or imagine if everybody in here were, were doers, right? Take charge, get stuff done, full speed ahead, do first, ask later. But there was nobody in here that had any organizational skills. Well, there'd be a lot of things that got accomplished but maybe not that we're actually moving the ball forward, right? Maybe a, a lot of pulling us in different directions and, and side tasks and things that were okay but not truly, not truly beneficial. See, God, God knows exactly what the body is made up of because the Bible says God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Here's what that means for you. It's our second takeaway that God made you. He made me uniquely, different from everybody else. That's not by accident. That's not because God wants me to be weird. It's because God made me the way he wanted me to be. But he also made me a part of the body of Christ, and that is in the church. God wants your unique personality, your unique life history, your unique context right now, your unique gifts to be here, to be all working and pulling together for the good of his body in the church. Because that's what makes the body 
complete. Let me tell you a story about Lucille. Lucille was a lady I met over a decade ago. And when I met her, she told me, she listed off the life-threatening conditions that she had. She started with congestive heart failure and then pulmonary fibrosis, which meant that she had two high-flow oxygen concentrators running at all times. There were like three or four others that she just kind of quit talking about then because while they're life-threatening for everybody else, they were like you know, third, fourth, fifth on the list for her. And so Lucille had to quit working, and, and her daughter took her in, but it was about an hour away from the church that she had li- attended at uh, for years. And when I went to go visit Lucille, she was homebound, and she was largely stuck in her bed even. She had home health care workers that, that came in, nurses that came in constantly, but beyond that, she was, she was kind of confined to, to that space. And she told me one time when I went to go visit her that she didn't really feel connected to the church. She felt disconnected from the church that she had attended for years that she loved. She said it's not anybody else's fault, right? I, I, they, there was a, a couple who every single week would take one of the bulletins, fold it in half, stick it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, and mail it to her. So every Tuesday, she would get the bulletin in the mail. And there were some others that would, that would call her, that would stop in occasionally. But it was an hour away. And, and for Lucille, there wasn't enough oxygen tanks in her house to get her the hour to church, the hour for the church service, and the hour home. She needed too much oxygen. And so she told me, I feel disconnected because I have nothing to offer. We started talking a little bit, and it turned out, first of all, Lucille had a whole lot to offer because she had just a continuous stream of nurses and healthcare workers, and every single one of them at their, at their funeral months later she told me she was, she was like this light. Every time I'd go visit her, she'd always have not just positive things to say, but, but pointing to her Savior. And here's the funny thing. Lucille had been terminally diagnosed, told she had six months to live, and it was over four years before. And so she was wondering, why am I still here? And I asked her, do you pray? And in her sweet, scratchy voice, she said, of course, pastor. I pray for you every day. I pray for your family. I pray for the church. I have a directory, and I I pray for every single church member by name every week. Every Sunday morning, I can't be at worship, but I pray for your worship. Every event on the calendar, I pray that your Bible study, that your meeting, that those things go well. I pray for financial blessings for the church. I pray for your outreach efforts. I pray pray that God would bring more people in to the church so that they might know what he's done for them. See, what Lucille didn't understand is she had a blessing that, that I didn't and that probably many of us don't, time. But she had the spiritual wisdom to use that gift, that blessing, well. The problem was she didn't see it as a blessing. She saw it as just, this is all I can do. And I told her, Lucille, you probably pray way more than I do, and I appreciate every one of your prayers. She certainly had something to offer, didn't she? But what she saw as her participation was less significant, was less important in her mind, but not in God's. See, God saw something very different for Lucille, and he sees something very different for you. He sees you 
well, as a, a precious child who used to live in this spiritual orphanage. No one loved you. And let's be honest, you and I, we were both pretty rebellious. And the day that God came and found you, well, it wasn't that you were so glad to see him. And yet he said, I'm taking you home. And you are going to be my child. And I'm going to give you my name and my inheritance and everything good that comes with being a part of my family. But there was a, a huge cost in this adoption, right? Most adop adoptions cost a lot of money. This one cost something far greater. He had to give up his own son. See, he traded the life of his own son to adopt you. Jesus willingly died so that you could be part of his family. What an amazing gift that God has made you. He calls you precious. And, and there's no doubt in his mind, and there should be no doubt in yours, that when the devil says you're not important, you're not special to God, say shut up and go away. Because Jesus died for me. That's how precious I am to God. And that brings us to our third takeaway. That there, it's true, there are some people in the church that it might seem they might seem more visible. They aren't more important. They aren't more special or precious to God. They might just be more visible. But there is no one that is more precious to God than you. And what's really awesome is I can say that to an entire room full of people, and it's true. Because God's love, God loves each one of us individually perfectly, better than we can even imagine. Now, there is one other problem that sometimes occurs in the church, and maybe you've experienced it, and maybe if you've ever said, I, I don't want to go back there, this is the reason. Because sometimes the devil is not the only one who says, you're not important. Take a look at the next verses, beginning at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. Now, there are sadly times when somebody feels that they are more important than someone else in a church. But that isn't the case. God says so. And if God says so, that's what's true, isn't it? Again, God uses the picture of the body, and he talks about these different parts, right? And there are parts that sometimes we don't see, and we don't even think about, right? And, and we could probably go with like the heart or the lungs or the brain, right? Those things continually function. Those are kind of big and flashy, cool things, right? If one thing goes wrong, we're in trouble. But there are some other parts that, that like we don't even think about that are just equally indispensable, right? Your liver or your kidneys. If you go into liver failure, it stops functioning and flushing all of the toxins and filtering out all the poisons in your body. And you'll die really quickly. But then there's also like these super insignificant things that, that, that seem insignificant. But until they go wrong, they, then you realize they're not, right? Because there's this little valve that, that's at the bottom of your esophagus, right? Where all the food goes down. 
and it's between your esophagus and your stomach, this little tiny valve, not a big deal, right? Until it stops working. And then you have horrible, constant, painful reflux and heartburn, right? All because this, this one little part well, it didn't do its job. Because every part of the body is important. And that's what God feels about you, about us, about the body of Christ in the church. There's no place for, for one Christian to think about another Christian, I'm better than them, I'm more important than them. Nope, God says something very different, right? God has put the body together so that there should be no division in the body. It's kind of funny, though, because Jesus' disciples, if you read through the Gospels, even those 12 guys that traveled around with Jesus, they got caught up in that, didn't they? I mean, it's not unique to a church. There were some who said, they were arguing, who's, who's greater? And Jesus said, guys, stop it. You're getting this thing confused, right? You're, you're looking at this in, in earthly terms, in power and authority and status terms. That's not how God looks at it. He looks at it as being part of the body. And that's why he told them, many who are first in life in, on earth will be last. And many who are last on earth will be first in heaven. So to emphasize the point of having equal concern, Look, look at verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If every part is honored, every part rejoices with it, right? This is how God wants us to view the people that are sitting around you this morning. So that the, the people sitting two rows back that are, that are struggling, that are hurting, well, you don't just go, oh, sorry. Okay, have a nice day. I'm going to go back to my good life. But instead, we, we hurt with them because they're a part of the body. And we do what we can, anything we can. We pray for them. We ask them, what can I do to, to help ease your, your suffering, your difficulty, your pain, to take some of the burden and carry it for you? And then the same is true, the flip side is true, right, of, of rejoicing, of celebrating. If somebody's here is celebrating, we don't go, oh, I'm so sick of them having everything good in their life. Nothing ever good ever happens to me. But we rejoice with them because they're a part of us. Here's how Paul ends the, the verses and reminds us how that's true. Verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Because you are a part of something. But it's not a, a social club, and it's not a fraternal group, and, and it's not just a bunch of people that you like to get together with. I mean, those are good things, and we, 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 I hope that you like to get together with people here. But that's not what we're a part of. We're a part of the body of Christ. And the world tends to look at it being a part of a group as what do you bring to the group, right? You're here, what do you have to offer? What do you, what do, you do have that makes us better? But what do we bring to the group? What do we bring when Jesus came and, and found us? When well, we brought baggage of our past, we brought guilt, we brought hurts, and hang-ups. I don't know about you, but normally, if somebody came and said, hey, I want to be part of your group, that's the kind of thing where I'd be like, hey, sounds good. But maybe not today. But that's not what God did. Instead, he, he welcomed you with open arms, and he forgave your guilt. 
He took away your hurts and your hang-ups and removed all of the baggage of your past by taking it to the cross. And the thing is, then, when we gather together, what are we going to bring? We're still going to bring baggage. We're still going to bring hurts. We're still going to bring hang-ups, and we're still going to bring, bring guilt because we're still a group of sinful people. So we don't gather together to find out who's got this gift and who's better at that. That's not why we're here. We gather for grace. Because that's what we need, isn't it? And there's only two places in the world that you're going to find grace. Undeserved, unconditional love. You know what those two places are? From God, through his word and his sacraments, his means of grace, and from the hands of and the heart and the lips of people who have lived in grace, who know what grace is, who have blessed, been blessed by the freedom of grace from their baggage, who live in the peace of grace from their guilt. That's our last takeaway this morning, that we're connected in the church so that we can give grace to each other because we are the body of Christ, and you and I are a part of it. Amen.